Hey, y'all. Welcome to the February Exchange Chat. I'm Yusra Iftikhar, your 2019-2020 APTA Student Assembly Director of Communications. We want to know who's joining us on the chat tonight, so do be sure to shout out your name, your year, and your school down in the comments below, and whether you're a DPT student, PTA student, fresh PT, or anybody else. I am really, really excited because tonight we're going to be discussing the use of technology in PT, telehealth and telerehab, and its best and most ethical use. Um, but before I have my guest, Dr. Alan Lee, introduce himself, if you haven't been part of an exchange chat before, or even if you have, remember that you can interact here on Facebook Live and post your questions in the comments down below, and or there's a Twitter conversation happening now, and you can follow hashtag XChangeSA for that. Couple of announcements real quick. Remember that if you're a student and an APTA member, that makes you an automatic member of the APTA Student Assembly. Your Student Assembly Board of Directors is the student leadership group that represents your interests. And we are gonna be hosting a very yummy breakfast and a general membership meeting this Thursday, February 13th at 7 a.m. in the CSM Convention Center. I know it's early, but at the meeting, there are gonna be updates on what's to come this year and an important vote that you can participate in if you're an APTA member on the Student Assembly Bylaws, which include a change in the voting process for the Student Assembly Board of Directors at this year's National Student Conclave. Registration for Federal Advocacy Forum is open. And uh, last announcement, the APTA Pulse blog is a great way to stay up to date on what PT and PTA students are doing and thinking around the country. We're always looking for contributors to the blog. So for more information or to submit a piece, you can email pulse at apta.org. All righty. It is finally time to introduce our guest for the evening. Please welcome um, a mentor and a previous professor of mine when I was in class at Duke, Dr. Alan Lee. And Dr. Lee, I'll let you uh, introduce yourself further. Sure. Hey, thanks, everyone. And uh, thank you for the APTA Student Assembly and the leadership for inviting me to talk with you prior to CSM 2020. Uh, my name is Alan Lee. I'm a physical therapist. As Yasser said, I'm a professor uh, at Mount St. Mary's University in Los Angeles. I'm a, uh, also a clinician at Scripps Mercy Hospital. Uh, that's where I'm at currently. I actually practiced this morning and just finished my clinical work at the trauma center. And I'm also a board-certified board wound specialist and a geriatric clinical specialist through APTA. So again, just I want to thank you uh, and everyone for joining us today to talk about some of my passions in research, practice, and education on telehealth and telerehab. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. So I know you in the context of teaching us wound care, right? Yeah. And so for me, I um, was really surprised and excited whenever I found out that you had been doing a lot of, um, you've been on like a lot of podcasts and things like that about telehealth, telerehab. So can you tell me what got you interested in that part of healthcare? Um, and are you currently utilizing that at all in your practice? Right, right. Great question to start off this session. Um, my interest in tele-rehab, or what we would say, uh, sometimes we've got to separate the nomenclature, but it was at the West LA VA under the telemedicine program in their uh, VA center with PTs and OTs. Uh, I, was, uh, I got involved with a small pilot project called the Health Buddy System, which would remotely monitor veterans from different areas of Los Angeles uh, in terms of adherence to their exercise and supervision of their exercise and how feasible is this, uh, is this possible back in 2006. So as a research moderator, I didn't even realize there was this field called telemedicine, 
which mm -hmm. uh, physicians and nurses and social workers and dietitians are involved in. And under that umbrella of telehealth, there's medicine, as I just mentioned, and there's rehab, PTOT speech therapists who see clients digitally through a HIPAA secure portal. And obviously other services like mental health care, remote patient monitoring with devices, as I mentioned, uh, as well as what you're seeing now in the future with some of the AI and some of the, uh, what would I call, future of telehealth progression towards um, patient-centered care with uh, digital modalities. Yeah. So, and I so think, yeah. go ahead. I was going to say it might be good was, to for us that like we're going to be talking about telerehab and telehealth, but then also the use of technology in PT. And I think that those things can go hand in hand, but um, you may hear us switching back and forth a little bit between those two topics. Yeah. And I was going to answer your second part of the question was, how did I not only get involved, but am I doing it currently? And, you know, I did a research project with the VA, but it led into my PhD work, which was looking at social, um, social responsibility and cultural competence in international volunteers. And some of that project also included some of the work we do with pediatric uh, hospital in Mexico and doing mm -hmm. rehab down there. And we got involved with a small grant through uh, NIDR, which uh, funded the University of Pittsburgh's tele-rehab program. So we would actually do a teleconsultation with the clinical specialists in pediatrics in Los Angeles with the okay. physiotherapists in Mexico. So that was my previous work is setting up that tele-rehab uh, consultation. And then currently, I just oversee some of the the. I would say the work that is being developed by APTA and some of the clinicians that are really coming forward with tele-rehab in practice. Yeah, very cool. Um, and then in terms of tele-rehab technology, telehealth, et cetera, can you talk a little bit about the different ways in which those are currently being used? Because I think that I have one idea where it's we are um, like on a webcam with a patient, watching them do their exercises, guiding them through it. But you've already started to mention a couple of things like monitoring devices, things like that, that go not beyond that because that's important too. And I think that that's great. Um, but I personally have like limited knowledge on the ways that technology is currently being used in PT. So can you delve into that a little further? Sure. Sure. The, the way we would think about telehealth or tele-rehab really is really in different modes. Like you just mentioned in practice, what's happening is really this, live audio video session like we're doing right now, but through mm -hmm. a secure portal for clinical practice. So that's what we call synchronous telehealth, where also there's asynchronous telehealth, which would be okay. more storing like a wound care image and sending that forward to a, a consultant to look at that and provide information or, or consultations to help a practitioner on the other end. And we call that asynchronous or async telehealth. And then you mentioned earlier about remote monitoring. Now we're uh, seeing physicians and nurses remote monitoring their patients with, uh, I would say, uh, devices. They could watch their heart rhythm or also watch how they're functioning at home and getting mm -hmm. those biometrics and being reimbursed for those type of services. So that's what you're, ha you're seeing in medicine and nursing and also with rehab practitioners getting involved with, like you said, this online uh, digital synchronous telehealth, but we have a lot of room to grow in other other areas of rehab where we can actually work with maybe, like you said, 
you know, in our class, you know, we talked about wound care photos, taking that image, measuring it on one end, having a PT assistant, you know, maybe working with the patient on, on one end and as a PT, really kind of doing more of that consultation piece and then eventually, you know, providing additional care if necessary and really early access to care uh, and, you know, improving, like, not only cost of healthcare, but reducing costs in terms of travel for patients or even providers mm-hmm. from one place to another. And eventually, you know, making sure that the quality of care is similar from in-office care as well as telehealth care. So it's really just a tool, but we want to make sure that we're not duplicating unwarranted services. Right. Okay. There's a lot of really good stuff that you just said. So I want to delve into each piece of that. Um, So starting with, you mentioned reimbursement. Um, And I think that Mm -hmm. that is going to be a concern for some people. Um, And so is insurance reimbursing for this? What does that look like currently in PT? Right. I'm going to kind of lead off with some of the links that we provided for you. And first, one of the links was uh, the, the um, private practice sections, FAQs. And in that, it's, you know, if you look in that article, as well as Meredith Kasson, the private practice has a, uh, a trade paper uh, in last November and December. She wrote an article on payment and billing mm-hmm. of tele-rehab. So you can Google that and find that in under the private practice section. And as you mentioned, how do we go about, you know, finding my payment or um, reimbursement towards telehealth? We should always start with like advocacy. What are our, what is our need towards telehealth? And really it's around our need for being an eligible uh, telehealth provider for Medicare, because right now PT, OT, speech, rehab professionals are not eligible to be a Medicare eligible provider in telemedicine or telehealth. So currently there's a legislation around advocacy towards, you know, uh, Connected Health Care Act, where PTOT speech therapists could become eligible for Medicare. So first thing is we're not eligible to treat patients under Medicare. Uh, Second, we want to talk about Medicaid. Uh, Yes, there's reimbursement or payment towards Medicaid in different states, but that's going to delve into like you specifically talking to a Medicaid insurer, uh, a stakeholder, and working out the details why you can get reimbursed for certain telehealth or tele-rehab services. And in our past research uh, of Sue Possible found out really the need was, one, a patient might be in a really far rural area where there's no PT services at all. And mm-hmm. so Medicaid had allowed payment towards uh, tele-rehab services and PT, OT, and speech. Uh, mm-hmm. So that, can ha- that is allowed. And then we talk about private insurance, so third-party payers like the Blue Shields and Blue Cross. So mm-hmm. these folks, again, you as a private practitioner or, or a PT need to find out and contract with those uh, private insurers to see if they would allow you to be a telehealth provider in your state uh, if there is what we call the party law, P-A-R-I-T-Y. Party means that the state uh, has laws towards reimbursing telehealth, same as providing in-office care. Uh, but that discussion is, again, done with uh, the private payers and making sure the payment is the same and not lower because sometimes they will allow you to do it, but the payment also they might say it's going to be lower than the usual in-office care. So there's a lot of like different nuance towards like, you know, Medicare, no. Medicaid, yes, in the past with, you know, Mm -hmm. obviously needing access to care. Private insurers are coming on board, yes. Workman's comp already there, yes. Uh, Obviously, if you're doing cash-based practice, yes, but there's a lot of rules around what you can and can't do. 
including right. the licensure and also you know making sure that you provide the same type of in-office care possible as well as uh, ability to do that obviously without hands-on but ability to just make sure that that consumer or the patient has access to some therapist if they need hands-on care yeah and so that was something that i wanted to ask you about too is um for me like i want to practice in outpatient orthopedics and um preferably somewhere that's pretty like manual therapy heavy and so what would you say to like then the manual therapist who say well i can't get my hands on the patient um and then kind of a follow-up question to that too is do you feel like tele-rehab is ever appropriate for like evaluations or do you think it works better to like evaluate a patient in clinic and then follow up with telehealth visits? I know those are two different questions, but um, kind of along those lines of like hands-on care. Sure. I mean, I think that's a great point. We've always had, that's why we got into physical therapy. So don't lose that. So again, this is just a tool to extend your services and, and have many touch points with your patients. Mm-hmm. There are two great, great APT resources currently to address your question. One is, like you had mentioned about the, the student, the Pulse. Ben mm-hmm. Gordon had a, wrote a really nice Pulse article on telehealth and telerehab and keeping your eye on it. So, you know, you as a student, if you haven't seen this in January, please go there to have a look at it. And then the second is the PT Trans- Transforms article written by Sarah Gallagher. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I was also uh, interviewed. This was an FAQ. And basically, it will give you some guidance on, you know, should this be where you do the uh, hands-on care hybrid-wise and make mm-hmm. sure that you could screen the right patient for the right type of care at the right time, meaning mm-hmm. that it could be an approach where the patient might need hands-on care initially, but eventually screening that patient uh, who would prefer to have a, a telehealth session and having more touch points versus just having in-office visits. So, you know, there's other issues regarding human factors. Not all patients are appropriate and they use technology well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm starting to speed up my vocal language here, and that might be difficult for some of your listeners. So, you know, in telehealth sessions, depending on where the person is on the other end, you might have to slow down your language and not mm-hmm. move your hands too much like I was earlier and really make eye contact and smile. So there are some competencies that you have to understand about telehealth. And before we came on the session, we were trying to kind of see where the best lighting was. So some of those things where you have to see the patient really close, uh, uh, where you might need more eye care, but also you'll be able to hear the patient. So you're not doing this in a busy, crowded area. So you need to have like a digital office to do this type of uh, work. So there are some other layers to this besides just saying, I can't do this because it's not hands-on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I like that you mentioned uh, telehealth being a tool to help our patients. So it's not so much that we're talking about what's going to replace PT um, coming up, because I think that I've had conversations too with my friends where we joke about you know robots replacing us or things like that. Um, and I think that it's nice to talk about this in a context of this maybe filling gaps where they may exist um, and being like a supplement to our care versus simply saying, well, now we use technology instead of people. Um, so I like that. Too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just to, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, to add to that is typically media or even social media kind of feeds us what kind of all the positive stories. Right. And so sometimes you as a listener, mm-hmm. or if you're really into podcasts and listening to social media, um, you're only getting like one aspect because there's always going to be both sides of the coin and so 
you right. need to kind of be mindful of reading the literature, which we can talk about the research a little bit more, but also filtering out social media to make sure that you're getting not only like, uh, you know, really uh, what I would say the positive or just uh, the cloud, you know, being out there in the clouds of, of stories of uh, how this could really help everyone or being mm -hmm. really scared, like chicken little in terms of like, well, this is going to replace us and, you know, our workforce will be really diminished by this. Uh, I mm -hmm. think the way to look at it is, you know, really be more like a, like you were taught in school as we tried to teach all of you guys, which is be mindful of, uh, you know, the, the literature, know their limitations Always, you know, look at research in terms of uh, of telehealth as well, where it's going in the future, but also how you can participate. Uh, we have to do this together with other disciplines, like I mentioned earlier about medicine and nursing, and knowing that we need to be at the table because we'll be left out as well if we don't continue to kind of seek solutions for our patients in the future. Right. So you mentioned um, some of the stuff that we learn in school about. Um, research appraisal and kind of figuring out limitations to research, things like that. But if we're talking social media and it's not a research-based article, for example, are there any other things that we as students or like new grads should be looking for um, to help ourselves filter yeah. out that information? Yeah, that's great. Always start with like articles, right? Don't, don't leave what you left. Uh, you know, once you finish school, that doesn't mean you don't get to read great, great journal articles, right? I'm, I'm in the medical library right now, and there's a great article in the JBJS uh, about mm -hmm. tele-rehab, actually done at Duke uh, with uh, some of the collaborators out in San Diego for total knee replacements. So mm -hmm. first thing is to look at the literature and, and understand who's doing tele-rehab uh, mm -hmm. research and work and who's developing some of the guidelines, such as American Telemedicine Association, or like you had, you know, posted the FSPPT or Impetra. These are some organizations that regulate tele-rehab for us. So look at those papers and that work. And to be mindful of uh, social media in sense that, you know, you as a practitioner or a student or person listening to a podcast need to say, hey, you know, this Alan Lee guy, who is this guy? You know, you can Google me. You can find me. I have a license in California. Uh, you, you know, there's a lot of Alan Lees, by the way, but... You know, you want to kind of do, do that due diligence and find out if there's any issues with some right. of these folks. Because if there is issues in terms of ethics or licensure or, you know, other, um, you know, concerns, should you be really kind of follow that trail or, should, you know, follow that trail and should you be listening to that and taking all that information in? Uh, really recently, if you look at the PT in Motion in November, there was a technology article that was written regarding the ethics uh, and also safety towards uh, safeguarding the use of high-tech and low-tech uh, in terms of legal ethical concerns written by uh, PT in Motion. I, I would look at that resource because uh, really it did a really nice job of what I can't say right now in terms of, you know, five or ten minutes. But really the article will kind of give you those guidelines and always consult your lawyer in terms of uh, if you're going to open a practice like you would in telehealth as well as if you're going to open a private practice, you know, down the road, in, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to look for somebody to kind of give you advice and do that due diligence, technical diligence, as well as the professional legal diligence. So right. that's, yeah, so, that's what I call, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, that's what I call risk mitigation. And also the mm -hmm. other link we gave you from HIPSO, right? We all know HIPSO. 
they insure PTs and physicians and others. They actually wrote a really nice uh, uh, competency checklist for telemedicine, which includes telerehab. And you can walk through those kind of guidance, which is actually, you know, free versus why should you pay somebody on social media on how to do telerehab or digital practice? So mm-hmm. think about those free resources from national organizations first to be your roadmap or playbook towards getting into this type of digital practice. Okay, great. So we talked a lot about um, looking at the research, looking at journal articles to figure out where tele-rehab may be beneficial, in what ways. Um, You even mentioned certain specific research articles. So what is the research telling us right now about the use of technology in telehealth and PT and are patients benefiting from it? Do we have um, some like, I guess you say like evidence that this is a good thing. Right, right. There is like early evidence that's developing at this point, including systematic reviews in mm-hmm. health affairs. That's a journal that you can look at where they're looking at not just PT literature, but PTOT speech literature on mm-hmm. uh, randomized trials of tele-rehab. And they're finding that it's the evidence is not inferior to the in-office care. And Mm -hmm. another area what they're noticing is that it's improving access to care. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most recently, there are two articles uh, out of two large journals. One is uh, JAMA Neurology regarding upper arm movements and and toddler rehab services for patients, uh, survivors of uh, stroke. And Mm -hmm. they're noticing that in-office care as well as toddler rehab for survivors of uh, stroke, uh, the outcomes are very similar. It's not inferior. So in neurology, obviously, it's noticing in terms of neural rehab, it's starting to kind of play out. This was research done in 11 sites nationally, uh, organized under University of Irvine, uh, under Dr. Steve Kramer and et al., OTs and PTs. Mm-hmm. Um, another way to kind of look at this in musculoskeletal, we're noticing that there is now strong evidence, actually not just early evidence, but strong evidence for post-operative total knee joint replacement patients where you provide tele-rehab versus usual care like home health or usual outpatient care. They're not only noticing that, that those results in WOMAC and functional outcome scores are similar, so it's not inferior, and now they're noticing that the cost of care is almost half it's reduced in terms of uh, having patients in, in wow. office care versus, uh, you know, your t- traditional uh, care with tele-rehab. But this tele-rehab is not just this audio video chat. It also included like phone calls, like health coaching by nurses on the other end. Mm-hmm. Also, it included a virtual PT who would see the patient and also like what we call the um, avatar or a virtual therapist. Uh, 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 a virtual person who would exercise with the patient using mm. their own body movements. That's so, cool. it, and they collect, yeah, and they collect the biometrics, you know, you know, they collect the gate speed and other measures to kind of complement this, you know, real audio video session. So it's not what we're thinking simply of like as a video chat, it's not FaceTime. It's really more of an integrated system to say it's tele-rehab. Okay. Got it. And mm-hmm. um, nurses just now, and you said that, Physicians, nurses, um, dietitians, et cetera, are currently using tele-rehab with their patients, so, or telehealth. Um, telemedicine, yeah. Medicine, yes. And so um, what opportunities do you anticipate or currently exist for that like interprofessional, interdisciplinary care with people in those other professions? With like telehealth? Yeah, it's, that, yeah, I, 
I hear you. Yeah. I think the way we have to think about that is um, where are we, where are we currently having touch points in terms of our collaborations? So Mm -hmm. not to say, you know, we need to really kind of flip, flip over and kind of change the paradigm, but where are, are some workflow issues or concerns where this could be a solution? So is there a point where you're just not getting through those referral sources or they're not having those patients go back and give the right information? So, you know, like maybe in workman's comp, right, where you can work really close to that physician who's dealing with that patient who needs to return to work. And mm-hmm. so can you do it from not in office care, but really on site, but also provide that clinician on the other end? Maybe that could be on on site, but also off site to provide that tele rehab. You know, collaboration between the physician, the patient, and the uh, the therapist. And another area that I would look at is, you know, not only uh, like workman's comp areas, but also the pediatrics, where you mm-hmm. have patients and families in, at home or at school, where you can also collaborate with teachers and others who are doing IPE education and other training for students in their own environments with practitioners on the other end to kind of monitor, but also supervise those sessions um, with digital practice. So those are two common areas in the future. And that's actually some of that work's already happening, but I think that's going to grow further and further. And then one of the last points that I want to bring up is it may be in areas where there's actually currently lack of access or a delay in PT services. So if you look at like musculoskeletal screening and needing for, you know, PTs to kind of really get uh, further along with patient care in terms of maybe managing the patient with musculoskeletal low back pain, but they can't come into your clinic for two to three to four weeks. I mean, it may be nice right. to kind of do the, in, you know, the touch point of trying to triage which patient really needs to come in early, but who could be managed with supervised care until they could get that appointment. And so you're going to see that, I think, further, further developing and not just private practice, but really in large healthcare, healthcare organizations like Kaiser Permanente. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in terms of filtering those patients, um, you mentioned, especially like through the research, that there are a lot of patients who are benefiting from telemedicine. And then also, though, that not every patient may be appropriate for telemedicine. So um, do you feel like other than patients who have um, barriers to transportation, are there other patient groups that you anticipate benefiting more maybe from telemedicine or like people that we should be keeping an eye out for when we're triaging? It's a good question. So always go back to the literature. And what we've noticed is that, for example, with total knee joint replacements in Canada, Mm -hmm. if the patient was further away from your clinic, meaning that they were 30 kilometers round trip or 50 kilometers away from your clinic, those Mm -hmm. patients had a better what we call return on the investment of technology. So, you know, those, those patients who could actually prefer um, tell our rehab without that travel cost back and forth from the clinic uh, mm-hmm. to to their home were more benef- benefiting in terms of like the patients to keep an eye out for. And obviously in terms of uh, patients that you want to keep your eye on is, you know, it's going to be the demand from the patient side when they say, hey, take a look at this, you know, new app I got on my phone or you know, can you videotape my session with my phone? You know, those patients who are really digitally capable, and that could be, I'm not, you know, don't categorize anyone because it could be a young person to an older person like myself. It really isn't like a, a 
diff, you know, it's really intergenerational how savvy they are with their technology and, and how mindful they are, but also mm-hmm. how safeguarding guarding their health information in terms of patients who also worry about data privacy and security. Right. So mm-hmm. you have to kind of think about those patients who are really mindful of those concerns as well as be able to mitigate some of those risks are the mm-hmm. right patient for the right technology. So. Um, this is going a little bit further back in our conversation, but you mentioned like certain competencies, like mm-hmm. um, things like maintaining eye contact and smiling, which I'm really bad about because I'm always like looking off when I'm thinking. Um, and so beyond that, like checklist that exists, are there any other current or anticipated like certifications or things like that, that PTs or PTAs would need to go through for to then be a telemedicine provider? That's a great question because um, right now, if you look at some of the practices that actually provide tele-rehab services with their practitioners, they will do just like you would in terms of getting hired. Uh, they will get the right type of therapist to provide the right type of care, and they'll provide a competency training for those mm-hmm. therapists. So this is more done more uh, privately with those organizations that have you know a bigger opportunity for telehealth practice currently. Uh, so Agile PT is one of them, um, but you'll realize that's going to be coming forth further, not only practice alone, but in education. We need competencies towards educating students on how to perform telehealth or digital practice sessions. So that's mm-hmm. in the works of looking at you know studies, uh, developing studies in the future research and what we would think would be the proper competencies. And actually, there's a podcast, an HCT podcast, where we had the pros and cons team for telehealth education competencies who also uh, were interviewed by the HET podcast team and also the con team who would say, you know, we're not quite ready to do this yet. So that those podcasts, I think they're educators who are in PT education who did this. Uh, yeah. I think it would benefit, be beneficial to your, to your um, listeners as well as people watching right now. So I know there are competencies in telemedicine, like the doctors, the dermatologists, others who develop, some practice guidelines. So obviously we as PTs need to get a little further along in terms of those competency training, but it is happening privately, right? In organizations, but not in national level yet. Okay. Got it. Um, All right. I have more questions for you, but I also want to make sure that we get to everybody else's questions. So we've got a question here from Brett. Um, Brett says, Dr. Lee mentioned different forms of tele-rehab, including simple webcam formats, um, but also ways that incorporate other forms of technology. Um, he mentioned that he's heard of a couple of companies out of California that are gaining a lot of attention that use the avatars that you mentioned and technology that can assess movement. Do you see a, like one certain form of telemedicine in particular as the future of telerehab? Um, and then his other question is, if he was a solo private practitioner, how would he compete with companies that do have such high-tech uh, equipment to be able to accomplish those things? Yeah, that's a great question, right? How do you compete as well as how do you get into this uh, arena? So I wouldn't ever say there's one form that's best. So if you look, you know, it may be ideal for you to kind of, you might have done this already, Brett, is look at American Telemedicine Association and look at all the different practice specialties under that umbrella of telemedicine including tele-rehab, it's to, to look at how do we utilize just this tool called technology and how to, um, you know, really get the best out of this uh, modality. So not only one form, but really looking at the future towards could this be uh, wearables, 
Could this be biometrics that we can collect uh, in terms of not only working with that patient and exercising, but collecting vitals and giving feedback and also supervising that patient and, and eventually getting payment towards that. Uh, so we have to think about not only the synchronous, but the asynchronous and remote monitoring aspect of care. And how do we get engaged in, with uh, providers that are actually doing this currently with telemedicine providers to kind of move us forward? So then the next part of that question was uh, solo practitioners versus these large organizations. Well, I think the first thing you should do, Brett, is if you haven't done so, is try a telemedicine session yourself as a consumer to see what it's like. Uh, in terms of you as a patient getting this care to learn about further care in terms of a, a consumer end. You know, was this just like going to a doctor if you had a cough and you needed some, you know, care, knowing that, you know, this could be treated with some type of a deliverable such as a pharmaceutical. So you as a patient could kind of engage with the telemedicine provider to see if it's going to be something that you can provide as a solo practitioner on your end. So thinking about informed consent, thinking about like competencies, thinking about, you know, technology and its security and privacy needs and eventually the deliverables that you can provide. Uh, I think if you can do that, regardless of being a solo practitioner or, or a large health care organization, you will be able to be um, benefiting those patients that you'll treat. So it's really not a competition, but it's really jumping in and getting involved and in how to solve these issues in the future for your practice and for the healthcare organizations. Awesome. Thank you. Um, we've got a question here from Matt. Any major difference with federal versus state-specific regulations or restrictions, um, including reimbursement, coding, authorization, and referral? Yeah, that's a huge, huge question. Yes, there are definitely differences between federal and state. So always start with your, your Practice Act and always start with APTA because we have resources for you with uh, federal and state, right? And under tele, telehealth, if you look at the APTA telehealth, you'll see there are various states, like 17, 18 states, with specific telehealth language in their practice acts. So wherever you're practicing, is it Matt? You know, try to figure out or where you're going to practice, Matt. Think about, like, what does the state where you practice have any language around telehealth? And is it, are they silent or not? Because that will kind of help you to kind of um, think about what, what type of practice that you can engage within the state and, and what you should be mindful of. Now you're looking at payment for state versus federal. You know, if you work for the VA, Matt, it's anywhere to anywhere, right? Meaning there's initiatives in the VA where you can provide any service for any patient as long as the telemedicine program is running and telerehab is part of that picture, like in Phoenix and Arizona and, and also in other areas like Indian Health Services in Alaska. So federally, it's a little different than what we have to worry about in terms of state because they don't have those barriers such as, um, you know, state practice acts. And, and you as a practitioner in the federal system will have a little more, uh, I would say, leverage or ability to use telehealth to, uh, uh, to provide services for your patients. So, but APTA has really good, great resources for federal guidelines as well as state guidelines. And then in, for payment, if you look at some of the the resources under CCHP, which is a telehealth national resource center in California, and they will have guidelines for you for federal versus state specific payment eligibilities. All right. Um, going back okay. to um, in your answer to Brett, you mentioned that it might be good for us to check out um, 
telemedicine, we have, or I said that's so wrong, teller, we have services as a patient. Um, I was going to ask you what you would say to like a student or a new grad who is really passionate about um, introducing more technology usage into their practice, but maybe their place of work like isn't doing it yet. So would that be part of your answer to that as well, to kind of experience it first, really know what it's about, and then figure out, is that something that you want to bring into whatever space you're currently in? Yeah, that's a good point. Always get your you know, toes and fingers wet. If you're passionate about it, keep reading literature and understanding. Take Coursera, you know, Sarah courses around not just telehealth, but things like AI. Our, you know, one of our Duke students we just taught told me there's a really good AI for everyone course by Andrew Ning. And so, okay. you know, take those courses to keep your passion growing. And then I think the way you might want to approach it is really look at your workflow, right? And wherever you're practicing or where you are currently, where are some workflow concerns or opportunities mm-hmm. and really look at, you know, is there a business opportunities? Uh, and you can also think this is a great, great way to do this, but maybe it's not quite culturally capable within the system. So maybe mm-hmm. if the opportunity is there, but it may be a few years behind. So I always say take an incremental approach, uh, you know, the business approach as well as a technology approach, mm-hmm. get the team involved you're gonna need like uh, from that ai course i took also it says about having the it team work with the business team and in the Mm -hmm. middle somewhere is going to be this collaboration the brainstorming that can really kind of be fruitful for where you're going to practice and so you know instead of just saying oh i have the solution you know try to really kind of do more investigation do that needs assessment prior to kind of saying hey i know everything and i'm going to do everything for this company because unfortunately you're going to be disappointed and that might not be the direction that they want to go as well as where you're going to end up. Dr. Lee, keeping it real. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So now going way, way back, you mentioned, um, actually, I don't know if you mentioned, so CSM is coming up in a few years, a few years, a few days. (laughs) (laughs) it's also in a few years in a few days um and there are certain sessions and other things going on correct around um technology telerehab can you tell us about a few of those so that those of us who are currently planning out our csm schedules can make sure we work that stuff in yeah yeah thank you for coming circling back to csm yeah we'll we both will be there so you know please stop by and say hi to us you'll be at the student booth i'll be at the hpa technology booth so that's, that's places you'll find us. But some of the things, if you want to plan out your CSM programming towards technology, it's really easy now. The website's great. The mobile app's great. So just go search and just put in the key term telehealth. And basically, you're going to get two pages full of sessions on telehealth. So one thing I realized within the last decade or so, we're, we, we saw the issue with nomenclature or language so no one's calling it like telemedicine anymore they're calling it telehealth or telerehab so that's great so you know hey hooray for our profession and you're going to see all these sessions from thursday friday saturday uh, you know posters as well as key sessions that are out there Uh, the ones that i point out to you might be real helpful during your sessions to look at on uh, thursday Mark Millick, uh, without saying much names, like you mentioned earlier, there was a musculoskeletal session mm-hmm. uh, that, that you might want to look into that, that I think would be really helpful for you on Thursday. 
So I'm gonna. I'm, I'm looking at my computer right here, you guys, just like you should be doing right now, and trying <laughs> to figure out where the sessions are. Hang on, but the Thursday session will be great for you to attend. Uh, what? There we go. Give me one second, you guys. Here we go. Telehealth: How to leverage for more than just treatment, right? And that, that is going to be on Thursday at 3 o'clock in Convention Center 205. So, I mean, okay. it's on the bottom of the first page. On Friday, there's a telehealth session by um, the neurology vestibular SIG uh, called Telehealth and Private Practice, a perfect match. I think that's going to be a really uh, key one as well. Yeah. And on Saturday, there's two sessions on Saturday. One's on, I mentioned the work called Digital Practice. And digital practice is the term that we utilize. So it's above the umbrella of telehealth now. We're talking about things like AI and other aspects of care that we haven't even envisioned yet. But with digital practice being the, the nomenclature, the WCPT, and mm -hmm. Impetra, which is part of FSPPT, the regulators, and how to, uh, they, they just published that white paper that you posted. So they'll be mm -hmm. talking about that white paper on Saturday morning. And here's the kind of, home run, right, coming, circling around on Saturday in the afternoon. The first council, the Frontier in Rehab Science and Technology Council, is featuring telehealth and activity trackers by two researchers. Uh, one is a physician named Joe Smith who did that study at Reflection Health with Duke on total knee joint replacements. Mm -hmm. And the second presenter would be a researcher out of University of Queensland named Trevor Russell, who's really been seminal in terms of his tele-rehab research and education and practice out in University of Queensland, and he'll be presenting uh, telehealth and tele-rehab. So those four sessions, I think, will get get a lot of uh, meat to the bone in terms of your uh, telehealth education. But then you mentioned also some of the SIG activities. On mm -hmm. Friday, we have this hands-on technology session. and You might have heard about this. It's called Technopalooza, you know, mm -hmm. kind of. Uh, it's, been, it's been running for about nine years now. Like you know, it was like launched off with hands-on technology, feel and touch by clinicians and practice, and really not a vendor-driven uh, session. But it's a three-hour session where you, as a student, a practitioner, can touch some of the technologies and work and, and talk to these uh, clinicians and vendors on how it should, you know, technology should be used. So through the HPA SIG, mm -hmm. that's going to be at three o'clock on Friday right on the bottom of the exhibit hall. They're going to have mm -hmm. a whole area uh, for that, that session with Jimmy McKay from PT Pinecast emceeing mm -hmm. the session. So please join us. Yeah, that sounds really fun. And that's, I really appreciate you going through all this too, just because I know that um, I've been to CSM before and it's still like trying to plan. It can be a little bit overwhelming um, to go through mm -hmm. the list. So you're exactly right. And that website is awesome to be able to just search by day, by speaker, whomever, and then now by topic as well. Um, so yeah. definitely out those events um, that Dr. Lee mentioned and definitely come find us and say hello as well. Um, yeah, all right. Yeah. Well, uh, and let me add to, let, let me add one more thing to that. So you had all, earlier mentioned about like, how do we be mindful of people we like, you know, listen and hear on social media is that, you know, when people show up like you and the students who will be at CSM and you mm -hmm. hear from these experts, those are the folks, those are the programs, those are the individuals. They're going to be your mentors. Please reach out to you and others who are actually presenting and learn from those experts. And, you know, as PTs, we are very, very, you know, pleasant and social. We like to network. 
and we want to yeah. help each other because we know at the end of the day, together we're better, and we actually, you know, our patients are better and our clients are better because of our collaboration. So, absolutely, very well said. Speaking of our patients. Um, Melissa has a question. So she asks, when considering the importance of monitoring vitals in certain populations and screening for appropriateness of PT care, are there ways to do this through telemedicine if individuals do not have the proper equipment at home? Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. So I was going to say you need the proper equipment at home. So mm -hmm. we have uh, telehealth or telemedicine vital uh, equipment that you could you know, fit into your iPhone or fit into the devices. So some of the uh, apps and some of the, you know, telemedicine uh, capable FDA approved machines actually mm -hmm. do this for us. So in terms of practice, you know, those are the go-to first. You always want to look at something that's been FDA approved and also been, there's research behind it versus just, you know, something that's, um, you know, not approved for care in telemedicine. Mm -hmm. So there are, you know, vital signs that can be collected uh, through telemedicine uh, apps and portals. And so okay. you want to kind of stick with those. The cost of those have really gotten driven down. There's not much around like respiratory, uh, uh, you know, collecting respiration. But for mm -hmm. O2 sats, BP, mm -hmm. heart rate, those all can be measured through some biometric telemedicine devices. Okay. Mm -hmm. right. And, you know, I mean, the other way to think about this is, you know, be really creative, right? So if, if they do have a vital sign machine, you know, you're educating the person on the other end on how to utilize that machine. And maybe mm -hmm. they could bring it into the clinic with you and practice how to use it. And then they can report the data uh, at home and you could be kind of monitoring that data as well. All right. Um, so we talked a lot about using technology, telerehab, et cetera, as treatment. Um, are there, you've mentioned certain people like Sarah Gallagher, are there people in the field that we should know about who are doing telerehab really well? Yeah, very good, very good question. Um, so the program that I shared with your CSM, you are going to see some of the leaders in telerehab and telehealth. And some of the leaders are, I'm going to, you know, there's a huge list. It's going to exclude some people and I can't just throw names out there. But um, what I, I would prefer you to do is look at the research articles, people who collaborate with uh, physicians like Dr. Kramer has colleagues at, like Allison McKenzie at, you know, uh, at Chapman University. We have practitioners in the First Council. So if you look at the first, that's under APTA, First Council, mm -hmm. Frontier in Rehab Science and Technology. Some of those clinicians and practitioners and researchers are key folks to be mentors for you. Uh, Mike Billings out in um, Oregon and state of Washington, who um, works with Infinity Rehab and wrote articles regarding PT and PT assistant supervision under, under tele-rehab. Uh, these folks that you, you can draw from and, and contact. And then obviously, if you're in a VA system locally, a lot of the VAs have telemedicine and tele-rehab uh, practitioners working in that system. So that's another way to draw experts as well. And Indian Health Services in Alaska also has a huge telehealth PT component to their practice. So they've been at this longer than some of the, what I call, you know, small side hustle businesses. So mm -hmm. you want to kind of look at those experts who've been in this for decades, really, and how mm -hmm. to best practice uh, in, in telehealth and tele-rehab. Yeah. So even more reason yeah. than to do those sessions at CSM, if you um, do get to go to CSM this year, to get to meet those people then in person. Um, I've got yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Are you going to say anything yeah. 
Oh, yeah, I, I was just going to say, people who show up, do the hard work, and actually present, but also learn from their, um, you know, not their, you know, you and I are always learning from our presentations, right? So you're always collaborating and networking. So those are the folks that you want to meet. And that's what's so wonderful about our, our profession and CSM and our national meetings is that we as PT and PTAs have that opportunity together. And if you never see that person like in a session in person, and it's only under a digital screen, I got to kind of have to wonder what's going on here. You know, why do these folks never show up to some of these national meetings? And to me, those are the folks you have to kind of filter as best as you can. Okay, interesting. Um, so I've got a few more questions for you here. We may end up wrapping up a little bit sooner than anticipated. So for anybody who is watching and listening right now, um, if you have any questions, now's the time to post them. Please go ahead and get those in. I want to make sure that we get to everything that everybody wants to talk about. Um, you mentioned, um, we had a separate conversation about this at one point, and you mentioned um, companies like Athletico doing, like already providing free screenings um, mm -hmm. through, through um, like webcam, was it? Um, so I was going to ask, like, are there other companies or clinics that we should be aware of that like are doing this really well um, that we could maybe learn from and model our own practice after? Right. Um, let's go back to that company. In January, January of last year, Athletico out of Chicago PT started providing this virtual PT clinic as well as their in-office care. And it's a pro bono service. This is no, no feed attached to their virtual care in PT. And so personally, I had a session with them. You know, they knew I was a PT. But I, yeah, I, I consented my son who has some shoulder pain, and I mm -hmm. had him go through it with me as the parent on the other side. And so, like I mentioned to you earlier about you per getting some telemedicine services to see what it's like. Uh, actually, we went through that. And by the time we finished, I, I noticed that they were very good about informed consent. They were very good about privacy and security, a private office where nobody's walking around. Mm -hmm. uh, they also asked us to go to a, a very secure, quiet site in the house so they okay. could see us very well and uh, provided that 10 to 15 minutes of telehealth uh, evaluation. Then also in the follow-up, they said, um, you know, we can per we're not in, you know, where I practice or live in California. So right. since athletic is not out there, could we provide you with the local practitioner that you could have hands-on care if it's necessary? And oh, they wow. said, but at this point, we can see that you could do some, my son could do some stretches for his short throwing shoulder, his, his pitching arm. And so mm -hmm. they got him into a, uh, a rehab program prior to saying, hey, we could get you to a, a local PT. So I think those are some of the steps that you can learn from some of these sessions that you could do yourself versus mm -hmm. just watching something on social media. You know, we can all watch YouTube and think like we could fix the dishwasher, but it's really, you need right. a, like that competent person to really kind of help you out. And one yeah. last thing is, how do, you, how do you know if I'm Alan Lee or not? You don't. So here you go. I'm Alan Lee, the PT at Scripps. And, hey, could I see your ID on your other side as my patient? Could I see who you are? So some of those nuances are already built in in that system to make sure that we are seeing the right person and they are licensed to practice so yeah. in, in, that, you know, in that state. And that's the other thing you want to you know, be worried of uh, when somebody doesn't ask you versus just saying, hey, could you just send that payment? You know, let's get that done first. And right. you have to wonder why do they want just the payment versus do you know where they practice, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can't do this. You know, we have to always think about 
you have to be licensed in the state where the patient is. So you okay. can reach anybody, anywhere, right? But、mm-hmm. we have to be licensed in the state where the patient is located at to practice. So you know, so you have to kind of think about those. I mean, there are some other opportunities because the interstate compact is、mm-hmm. obviously you know moving us forward to you know connecting the therapists to many states. But、mm-hmm. it's still an opportunity, and you have to kind of have those license、uh, regulation and also license to practice in that state, and kind of the things that we talked about, some of those safeguards. Right. I've never even thought about some、yeah. like things that you take for granted, like the fact that the person who's on the webcam is, in fact, your PT. I'm not even thinking about、yeah. that would be a component of it as well.、Um, how、yeah. how's your son doing? <laughs> Good. Well, yeah. <laughs> He actually had he actually visited like、uh, where you were trained、uh, recently with me, so he's doing great.、Uh, he, you know,、yeah. I, he was at a pediatric conference with me, and the therapist asked him, "Are you doing your stretches?" And he was just like a patient, not not really, no.、Yeah. So you know, he this this is where the touch points could really help is that if you、right. can do these check ins with your patient to say, "Hey, how's those exercise going? Would you like to come in to see me?" At least they have an opportunity to kind of self monitor and self care. Their、uh, PT sessions. So、right. I think to me that that is the opportunities we have, but also we have a responsibility to kind of make sure we do it the right way. Sure, I feel like I could use those check-ins too. That's a hundred percent me as a patient is not doing that.、Yeah. So hopefully my yeah. PT is watching this. Well, I've got just one last question for you.、Um, I'm going to be asking all of my guests this this year. But if you could go back and give the student version of yourself one piece of advice, what would you say? Yeah, that's a great question to to kind of finish us off. So I kind of started this session with you because I really think that you guys are our, our our future. And if I can, if I had this opportunity to talk to my mentors back then, or the people I read in research to connect with them, and I think they would have been very very happy to help me. So you know, one advice I have for you all out there is to reach out to those folks that that you not only read about but also have questions for, and then you know those. Individuals will respond back to you because we think that you you guys are our future. So one、mm-hmm. advice for you, for me to give you is that continue your your work,、uh, continue to follow your dreams and passion, and you know connect with those mentors, you know nationally, internationally. Because I believe, I mean, you know, on my end, I really benefit from talking to you. I don't know how、mm-hmm. you feel about on the other end, but to <laughs> me, I learn so much. From talking to you and and others who actually had those questions earlier, so you know,、um, and it's a learning process. In a, to say this, meaning that、um, you know, you and I、uh, have to grow together and get better at not just digital practice, but in our profession for our patients. So you know, first time you do this, the second time you do this, the third time you do this, don't be so hard on yourself. Just continue、mm-hmm. to keep learning,、uh, keep reaching out to others and、uh, people who reach back to you. Those are the folks that you want to take their advice and kind of grow. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Doctor Lee, thank you so much for joining us tonight.、Um, I learned a ton, a lot of new information, even after you and I having talked about this already. I feel like I still just learned so much,、um, and I hope that everybody else did too.、Um, now that you bring up reaching out to your mentors, where can people find you if they wanted to reach out and keep this conversation going? Right. Right.、Um, I have two channels, right? But one, the main, obviously, would be the Twitter feed. Usually, you know, look out for that next week because I'll be, you know, again posting things like there's some really great posters on telehealth. 
actually. I'm going to send out three different pictures of posters on Thursday, Friday, Saturday that I didn't even talk about on, on technology and the first council, which is really not just telehealth, but on imaging, uh, robotics, mm-hmm. uh, telehealth, regenerative medicine and rehab and genomics and genetics and how we as practitioners need to get involved in these posters are really early research uh, on how this is happening for our profession. So look Mm at a, you know, my Twitter handle is at Alan Lee DPT. So my name is a L a N Lee L E E DPT. So follow that Twitter um, handle for looking at some of the other things at CSM. And then I am at Mount St. Mary's university in Los Angeles so my email address is A-L-L-E-E at M-S-M-U dot E-D-U. And that's my email address. And if you reach out to me and, and just give me an idea of how I know you or how we connected. And I, if I, I can't answer the question, I'm going to get the right person to answer that question for you. So, awesome. uh, well, And I don't do this alone. I was going to say, I don't do this alone. I I have to thank many, many folks. Uh, You know, I stand on many shoulders of the giants before me. So, you know, to me, uh, I'm really grateful for this opportunity, but also the opportunity for you guys in the future. So just realize that we have a really, really great profession. So safe travels to Denver. Thank you. It's funny that you just said that because I was just about to say that you're one of the most compassionate and humble uh, people that I get to talk to. And I'm always appreciated your time and your mentorship. So I just wanted to say thank you on that too. Um, And thank you to everybody who joined us tonight. Be sure to follow the APTA Student Assembly on social media to stay up to date on when the next exchange chat is going to take place, especially with CSM coming up. You're going to see us posting a lot. You'll see my face on the Instagram story, probably a lot um, vlogging like the whole, the whole week. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited to see all of you. Excited to see you, Dr. Lee. And really, that's all we've got for tonight. So thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you all next time. Yeah, Yeah, you guys, take care. Have a safe trip if you're headed to Denver. Bye, y'all.